podcast with Dan and Scott. Hottest golf podcast, whether you like it or not. Fresh from back in the day when that's a put at the park. 7 a.m. PM special where they played after dark. From the birds to the focus to the losses and the win. Welcome podcast, patron to the show, lead the pen. Get busy golfing or get busy dying. Hottest golf podcast and the swing ain't lying. Podcast patrons, Leave the Pin Podcast is super stoked to have Gas House Golf as their official clothing sponsor for the podcast. Go to gashousegolf.com, find them on all forms of social media at Gas House Golf. Gas House makes affordable, eye-catching, one-of-a-kind polos that help you stand out from the crowd. Why spend $75, $100, or even more on polos that make you look like everybody else when you can get one at an affordable price from Gas House Golf? Hit the ball a mile and look damn good doing it. Welcome back, podcast patrons. Another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan. Uh, super excited today. We got golfer extraordinaire Willie Wilcox on. Uh, Willie, what's going on, my man? Oh, not a ton. I appreciate you having me on, dude. Um, yeah, just, uh, I'm over in ATL. Um, I have um, a business with a, a friend over here that I uh, spend some of my time um doing i do i love podcasting um so doing stuff like this is uh i do multiple times a week and um yeah the podcast world's obviously a little saturated uh, right now but but like we were just saying before we uh, uh clicked record um you know um the consistency and staying at it and 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 just showing that you care uh is, is what resonates with people so um that's really what it's all about is just is just just staying at it so i'm really enjoying this side of the game not, have, not being a player anymore yeah well i mean we can talk about the player stuff we'll get to that you know i mean you played on like the original hooters tour corn ferry tour pga tour people know you from making that hole in one at sawgrass you know winning millions of dollars on the pj tour all that this and the other but you got an awesome podcast out i mean that i'm a personal listener to and, and honestly like i don't listen to too many podcasts right really? because I, i'm doing it all the time and it's like you know i hear myself enough i really don't want to hear too many other people but i've i've always been interested in you know your perspective of it really? you know to me i think what comes across naturally is you know you're just a a good old southern boy uh, a down-home kid and i've always Love that. There was no pretentiousness about you. You've kind of always been who you've been. Uh, so once you transitioned well, to this side of the golf world, how did you get into the podcast game? Um, uh, initially, uh, I just like I played a full season in 2021. Um, you know, one day I was just kind of going through my and I've always been a social person. I love to sit sit around and, and you know and shoot the breeze and, and you know just have a little social hour with my buddies. And I was looking through my contacts one day and looking through social media a little bit, and I was just like, man, I've you know through my 13 years with touring and playing hundreds of events, I was like, man, I've, I've really met a lot of interesting folks. I was like, you know, between liking conversation and having uh, connections, you know, maybe I'll give this a run. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think podcasting is, you know, I love uh, Joe Rogan, um, Mark Norman, um, uh, Shane Gillis. I, I listen to a lot of, you know, podcasts. It's kind of replaced I mean, not totally replace music, but it's just such a cool, um, 
it's a, just a cool, uh, you know, new thing that's popped up. And uh, this this media outlet is just really uh, taking the world by, you know, storm. I, I just think it's really fascinating. Yeah, I love the long form of it, you know, because it's not like questionnaire interviews in a, in a magazine or, or um, a blog. You can really kind of get to the heart and soul of people. So now you've had some amazing guests on, right? The name of the podcast is Tour Time, right? T-U-R-E Time. Uh, yeah. Get it anywhere. And uh, so, you know, you've had a, a bunch of PGA Tour guys on. And I want to talk real quick because one of my favorite golfers of all time is Boo Weekly. And mm-hmm. you've got a great relationship with him. Um, you know, that was what, like three or four episodes ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, if you're, if you're a fan, if you remember back from like the Ryder Cup days and when Boo Weekly you know, had like taken over the world. Um, sure. You know, so if, like if you're my age, that was during like the heyday, you know, of, of golf yeah. where golfers still had personalities. DJ and Boo, yeah, and then Anthony Kim. <laughs> yeah, AK for sure. Um so, so how did how did that relationship start between you and Boo, and then how did you end up getting him on the pod? Um, it took a while. Um, I had a mutual friend, but also he had uh, a hunting uh, lease, I guess you call it, just hunting land, a couple hundred acres, more than that. Um, and it was ten miles from the house I grew up in. And um, he's a Bama fan. He lives in the Panhandle, but pretty much claims Bama. Um, I grew up in the Birmingham area. He spent a lot of time there. I was a member at Greystone. He would always come in town, him and JoJo's caddy. Um, so I met him in like, like Oh nine, which was just incredible. And, um, so I would go hang out at the, uh, the hunting property and we'd grill out and, you know, sit around the fire and ride the four wheelers around and, um, go fishing and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, he was really, he was really uh, cool and played a ton of golf, a lot of, you know, Nassau's and stuff like that. Uh, and he uh, he knows a lot of people, well, a handful of people from my hometown. So uh, just mutual friends, golf, and uh, he liked my game. And I was playing well out of college. And then when I got to the tour, I was playing all my practice rounds with him. Um, so it just kind of, it just, you know, just went from there, you know, being, being, Bama boys, and, and then uh, then we both played on tour, and I played some of my best rounds on tour with him, and so like a lot of the podcast guests that I get, it's guys that I played with on a Saturday, and they saw me shoot like something deep, and they you know they're they're like Lucas Glover, like he's you know he's not one of the most chatty guys ever, but to get him on the podcast was really cool, and I think that came from you know getting paired with him four or five times on tour, and one day. Um, when you're when you're a young guy on tour and it's your first few years, you you get a lot of your confidence from playing with these great players and them not having their best stuff and you having a good round. Next thing you know, you beat one of your idols by ten plus shots, and uh, that just happened to be you know one round. Um, so I'm not saying like I you know hold a candle to Lucas Lover in any way, shape, or form, but just that day I happened to shoot 65 and he shot I think 77. And, uh, and it was just, you know, it was, I, I get guests that way. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, that same thing with boo. Um, they're just more, you know, apt to say yes, um, to have a little chat. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I know like for me doing the podcast, it, it, it's kind of like fishing, you know I mean? I got to throw so many lines out there and hope 
that someone takes a chance. Not so much now, you know, since we've got a little bit of a reputable name, but in the beginning, you know, they're like, you know, why why would I jump on your podcast, dude? You got 400 followers, you know, yeah. that type of thing. Like, you got to kind of prove yourself, you know, as a yeah. youngin in the game until they really trust you enough, um, you know, to hold a good conversation and 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 not kind of air them out, you know, yeah. in the podcast. Yeah, and put them in a put them maybe in an awkward spot. I think a lot right. of people are worried. Like I've had some guys, some live players, and um, well, actually, I just um, Tringali at this point, but I've got a few in the hopper, um, and they and they know, uh, you know, I had Matt Every on. I would never bring up like the Kelly Tillman interview, you know, or something like that. Right, 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 right. I gotta, right. Yeah. I gotta trust you. Um, so yeah, I imagine a guy like uh, yourself, um, you know, uh, it the start probably was more difficult than, than mine. Um, and I assume you just use social media or do you contact agents or like, you know, no, it's it, yeah, dude, it's always been social media. Like, uh, I, it's funny. I had in the beginning, you know, I'm trying to get like anyone I can on. And I had this, this random guy, I won't throw out his name. Um, but he was like, yeah, let me get in touch with my agent and then contact you. You know, and I was all new to this. And I'm going like, dude, you're messaging me back. Why would I talk to your agent? Like, I just want you to come on the pod. Then the agent sends me over a pricing list for the dude of how much it would cost to have him on the pod. And I like uh, blew my, I was like, all right, like F you dude. Like we're, you know, this yeah, is not like, yeah. I'm like, you're not Tiger Woods. You know, like you look, if Tiger Woods was like, Hey man, throw me 50 bucks to come on the pod. I'd be like, hell yeah. Here's yeah. 50 bucks. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know people would charge for you know a conversation. Um, I didn't know I mean, either. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you asked them to play in a pro am, um, right? But um, yeah, it's definitely a um, I mean, you got to put yourself out there a little bit. You know, got to yep. swallow your pride. Um, you know, like my buddy Jim Renner that uh, does some episodes with me. He's not he he doesn't like to to have that awkward potentially awkward hey man will you take time away from your family and your golf and your this whatever to talk to me for an hour um but i don't mind <laughs> so you know you kind of just gotta you just dive in and and just say you know hey man i'm a big fan on your team i'm not gonna put you in any awkward position and you know it'll, it'll be fun it won't take long and um but yeah i think it's uh it's it's gotten some some really good traction and i need to i need to have i need to get a uh your your uh instagram page is doing well and i think that's one of your you know that's how you get your clout um and uh i need to i need to do that I, would you say that's a pretty big part of the uh the podcast like i have a i have a bunch of downloads but i don't have that i don't have the, the instagram and, and, and the twitter page for the pod yeah, it's 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 definitely been like at least for me my inroads to the golfing world, right? Like I was the I was the you know kid like early twenties. My buddy and I, Scott, who I do the podcast with, you know, we'd be sitting at major championships and at tour events, sitting in the stands and watching people down in the range that are just like milling around, not the players, the caddies, the coaches, like these random people. And I'd always say to him, I'm like, dude, who are these people and how do they get down there, right? Mm -hmm. Like they don't know as much about golf as I do, they're not as passionate about office. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know who they are, you know, uh, prognosticating on them, but yeah, I was like, how, how does this occur? And then, you know, chance 
thing a few years later, one of my buddies like, man, you know so much about golf. Why don't you start a golf podcast? And I was like, well, I would if I knew what I was doing. He was like, dude, you know how simple it is? So, you know, one thing led to another. And now I'm the dude like bringing my kids onto the driving range at U.S. Opens and stuff. And, you know, knowing players and caddies and coaches and other people in the media. And it's just it's wild what you can do if you just like you said before, put yourself out there. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so you've got credentials now. Yeah, yeah. So we've got PJ Tour credentials, which is cool. And, and I'll tell you, I didn't even put this on Instagram yet or anything. But I've been applying for master's credentials like the last five years. And I just 100% get a no, 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 no. Like, you're not big enough. We don't know who you are. Uh, we will not even entertain your thought. So I get an email this year from their director of business with an application to apply for master's credentials. Now, obviously, it's that's I'm not getting the credentials yeah. like their dude, but, like their list of what you need is insane. Like it's gonna be a two-page cover letter and resume yeah. to send. But the fact that I went from so many years of them saying, like, uh-uh, no way, dude. Like, we don't even entertain the thought of you coming. So now, yeah, they're entertaining. Yeah, that's really, really cool. And uh, so this is something that you've already filled out, obviously. I mean, I'm assuming you've already applied and sent it back. No, funny enough, I haven't. You need, like, business letterhead. So my buddy Tyler, who does my my graphic design stuff, like, he made that up. And I'll, I'll get it done this. It doesn't need to be until February. Um, but I'll get it done, you know, this week or the next. Uh, like, there's so, there's so many things. You have to prove that you've been to major championships and – covered it before um you know and like quite honestly without having a website or a big backing behind me i'm just gonna link them to podcast episodes and link them to instagram posts of me down there and my reels you know talking to you know rocco and mike weir and zach johnson you know put those up and look look here you know yeah i can and talk you did, those, you did those interviews in person yep yep nice. yeah any, anytime yeah. the tour you know or anybody's within the northeast um, you know, I try to get there as much as possible. I'm, I'm in Northeast PA, uh, like the Southern edge of the Poconos. So I grew up on Long Island. It's funny. You mentioned Lucas Glover because my buddy Scott and I were there at Beth page when he won. We grew up sleigh riding at Beth page. Like that was 10 minutes from our house. <laughs> yeah, man. What a, what a, a wild, uh, major championship that was with the weather and, uh, you know, it, uh, uh, what's his name? He had that six shot lead. Um, you know, who I'm talking about, uh, uh, fl- yeah, Phil yeah. and, um, who were the runner ups that year? It was like Phil and Duval oh. were the runner ups, right? Duval was in there. Yeah. He ended up coming in like third or fourth, uh, Ricky Barnes, Ricky um, Barnes. That's right. With the painter's cap. His, his second round was like off the charts. It was insane. He had like a six yeah. shot. Um, but, uh, but anyhow, um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's really cool. I didn't, um, so anytime the, the tour comes in your nape of the way you, you, uh, you, you can get out on the range and, and pull yeah. some players. Uh, yeah, it was, cool. um, like the U S senior open was just here at Saucon Valley, big old private club down, uh, about 40 minutes away. Yeah. And like that, that was amazing. You know what I mean? They, they gave us full credentials and I, and I'm the youngest media guy there by and I'm not even young but I'm the youngest guy there by like 20 years you know covering the the champions tour and I and I think those guys loved it you know because yeah. they're so used to like just the mainstream media peppering them with the same boring questions all the time 
Mm-hmm. And I think for them, they were like, like, okay, man, who's this little tattoo dude coming up to me asking me, like, he knows golf? And yeah. they were really apt to chat, which was, which was pretty neat. Yeah, that is cool. Um, I, uh, I want to get, I need, I need to, uh, take some uh pages out of your book for sure i I, uh i need to be seen more um i've just been doing it on my phone and but i am gonna caddy for lonto griffin um coming up uh in the bahamas and um maybe that'll lead to some more um but so i'm still embedded in the game um but i need to i need to learn uh more about this part of it uh from from people like uh yourself I, i would say so let's talk about that real quick. So that I mean that's awesome, Lonto, like great dude out of Virginia yeah. Tech, um, awesome player. And, you know, I know you've known him for a while and, and been technically, but yeah, 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 yeah. My bad. Um, you know, you guys are are longtime friends. Um, so how how did that how did that connection? You know, how'd you guys hook up? Um, I well, his first professional round that he ever played. I got paired with him on the final round, and it was a Hooters Winter Series event um, in Orlando, and uh, that was kind of the route you took back then. Mm-hmm. And it was a really, um, if you had a backer, you know, you paid a thousand bucks basically, and that got you going. And um, you'd play, and there's 54 whole events, and they're all in a, you know, hour uh, radius of downtown Orlando. Anyways, got paired with Lonto. Um, and then next thing you know, we, we ended up uh, became roommates and, you know, just splitting costs and we'd play our rounds for a Chipotle after the round, you know, <laughs> whoever won. And uh, he just always found my game to be fascinating because it was so kind of homemade. And um, it was always it was weird because like I never I mean, I worked hard when it when it mattered, like when I really needed to. And I worked hard to get to professional golf. But once I got there, I mean, I would have six, eight month bursts of like intense, ex- you know, um, you know, exercise and focus and being the, the consummate professional. But Lonto is just this incredible hard worker. And um, so I wanted to be surrounded by guys like him. And uh, so it kind of just, you know, went went that way. Like I was like when I was on tour and he had no status you know, I, I like looked up to him cause I was just so, um, enamored with, with how hard he worked and, uh, and, you know, obviously it's, it's paid dividends now and he's made 10 million bucks and he reached top, uh, almost top 50 in the world, played two masters, got a win out there. And, uh, he had a micro disectomy, um, back surgery last, uh, june i think and um so yeah he's gonna come back for some rehab starts but uh but yeah he caddied for me on the pga tour and he gives me and the podcast that we did a few nights ago come out on wednesday morning and um he talks about how he credits i mean he literally on the podcast he and he said it to me and he said it after he won houston in 2019 uh, that um you know, had he not caddied for me at the Greenbrier in 2014, he wouldn't be where he is now because he was so deep in debt and out of money. And I did well that week. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, like, to this day, he, like, he literally, he, you know, it almost comes up every time we talk, uh, if we were reminiscing in any way. He's like, he's like, man, I owe you so much, you know, like, you, you're the reason. Because, like, if I ever had buddies caddy, sometimes, you know, you may not pay a buddy a full 
fee. Um, but I gave them, you know, 8% and full, uh, base pay for the week. And, you know, that week made like two fifty, And so I ended up giving them almost 20 grand and that turned his whole life around. And, um, then he just went nuts after that. And I mean, he, he was so good, but he just didn't have the mental part down, uh, yet. And caddying for me that week, he, he learned that, uh, that you don't like everybody, not everybody's perfect. You know, he was striving for, for perfection and he, he realized that, you know, and he had it for me multiple times on tour. He realized that, it, you know, it, you don't have to be perfect. You know, it, it doesn't, you don't have to hit balls till your hands bleed every day. Um, and you know, all the guys that, um, you look up to, hit squirrely shots and it's just you know it's not perfection and the guys that you see on tv uh each week are you know i remember i'd be in a position on sunday and and i knew like i remember uh what's his name the guy who's carrying the uh, he did the the biz hub swing vision um he uh, i was like what's the number you know what's the number you got to get to where they you know, maybe do a slow-mo your swing or do a shot tracer. Like, when did the camera show up? Like, what number? Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, you got to get to nine under. And I was like, eight. Made a birdie. Next thing I know, the whole crowd, the whole, the media showed up and everything. And uh, anyways, um, but yeah, it's uh, Lonto, you know, he learned a lot from, from Caddy and for me. And um, now, uh, you know, flipping the script. And now I get to to carry the bag and show up and shut up and keep up. So we'll uh, <laughs> see how it goes. I mean, you know, there'll be more to it than that. Obviously I'm going to, I caddied for uh, Russell Knox and Bermuda last year and he had a good week and uh, then made it to the finals with um, Ben Carr at the USM this year. So, right. I was going to say you had an awesome summer with him. Yeah. Yeah. Ben's a man. He, uh, you know, 22 year old kid from Georgia, can't can't imagine the pressure of choosing a caddy for the masters so i don't know if that's gonna go down um or not uh you know i'd in his shoes taking a, a teammate or his coach or something like that I, I could see that happening for sure but maybe he'll give me the nod but anyways i've had a good in the a few events that i've caddied they've always done well so um you know lonto and i've been talking on the phone a lot lately and he just thought you know in this um, his caddy is now working for Russell Henley. So obviously Russell's on, on a tear. So, um, he's like, I think I want to go the friend route and, and just kind of keep it chill for these first four or five that I play. So, um, that's what we're going to, we're going to do. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty cool, um, you know, exit off the professional golf highway that, that you've taken now, but I know you're still playing here and there, many tours and stuff, but like over the summer you won, uh, a few, do you, you know, what's your game like now? Are you still, are you grinding to, to get back to that level or do you enjoy, you know, the caddy in life a lot? Oh, uh, I mean, I'm more of a, a caddy, a caddy type person now and, and trying to break into this media, um, world as well. But, uh, I actually got in a car accident in September and banged up my knuckles um, yeah, I was going to ask, how's your, how's your wrist doing nowadays? Yeah, it's my left, uh, it's the knuckles on my left hand. Um, okay. 
hands kind of punched the glass as they were coming at, as the glass was caving in. And, um, you know, I was very fortunate and, um, a couple hundred yards ahead, some people got, um, some, some people actually died in the, the pileup that I was in, but, uh, I was very lucky. Uh, the car that I hit was very lucky. Um, so everything's uh, all right, but I do have glass embedded in my knuckles and I can play though. Um, but now I'm not, I'm not grinding too hard. The weather sucks here right now. Um, well, listen, know, I, I just, miss, be, before this pod, I just came in from shoveling snow. So I know it's uh, not that bad. <laughs> yeah. It's been real. I mean, if it's going to be 42 here, I mean, Oof. it's just ridiculous up there. That's cold for a Southern boy. It is. It is. Yeah. I, mean, I lived in Florida for over a decade. So, um, I, uh, I met a girl and, you know, sold the house in Jupiter right before the pandemic. And, you know, the hell out of that, the whole old story goes. But, um, but yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's uh, grinding wise. I haven't done much of it, especially since the car accident. But I was playing really, really well uh, earlier in the year. I was playing like insanely well. I couldn't believe what was happening. And, and I was like, okay, here we go. And then I got an exemption to that Corn Fairy event. And then like, 30 days before the event, I'll never forget it. I, I, I swing just felt a little weird on the range, didn't hit it very well. And then I was playing like a skins game with some buddies. And it was actually the day after I won the thing in San Diego. So I, I at the Goat, at Goat Hill Park and uh, down in Oceanside. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was hitting it really well and, and obviously won the thing and was a bunch under par. And I was 10 under through 12 that day and uh just going absolutely ape and and then um i just it was like a light switch i, I really can't explain it and it, it's just one of those golf things uh i started getting underneath it again and i had that high right and then when i'd try to overcorrect, i'd i'd snap hook it but then the the high right you know kind of foul ball just kept kept happening and then i played in that corn fairy event at the bmw um, in June, and that was one of the most, you know, I know it's an aggressive word to say, but uh, humiliating experiences in my golf career. And um, my grandfather passed away on the, on the Monday of the event, and um, the funeral wasn't going to be until the next Monday. So I was already elsewhere mentally, but um, but yeah, I just I played so bad, and that feeling of playing bad was just, you know, I've played so many tournaments, and it just was like. When you know, you know, and I was just kind of like, eh, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold off for a little while, and when once once this glass gets gets out of my hand, I might give it a a little a little push, but uh, I still hit it fairly well. Um, but after playing so bad in that corn fairy event, I was just kind of like, eh, let's chill out for a while. Is that gonna be surgery coming up for that to get the glass out? Um, I mean, it's. I'm going to have a, a doctor look at it on um, this coming Thursday or Friday morning. And um, so we'll see. Um, I'm not sure what they can do um, uh, with this type of thing. I don't know what all goes into it. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's it's a weird one. It, you know, they're kind of swollen. It looks I thought it was just scarring, but it's actually glass that's in there so um yeah i'm not really sure what all that can do um it might just have to come out naturally i don't know if it's you know i don't think anything's broken because i have full mobility um you know i could do push-ups on it and and things like that but uh yeah i've just got some 
some some odd little little scars but turns out the the reason they're so raised is because there's there's actual glass in there gotcha gotcha so i asked this question to a lot of the pros that i've had on before uh and it gotten honestly a myriad of answers uh when you were playing you know at your peak on the pga tour was golf fun for you then still um yeah yeah i mean it was i mean the travel was was a lot um and and i always dealt with anxiety and and i i you know the feeling of the the success post event was worth the lack of sleep and not being able to eat and i just i felt the pressure you know really intensely and uh when i was in position i i much preferred going into sunday in the, like the 30s, you know, 35th, 36th, 37th. I, I like that a lot more than being in like the second to last group or the last group because that was just, you know, not only are you teeing off at 2 p.m., um, but there's going to be thousands of people there. And I just, I much preferred being, <clears throat> I like back during top 10s or back during top 20s or whatever. Um, that was always kind of the way I, uh, I like to do it. But yeah, just the, the it became it definitely especially in the corn Ferry in my last year um it definitely felt more like work um i would say i didn't really have the didn't have the um the drive that i did at at one point and and honestly it had a lot to do with meeting a meeting a, a woman that wanted me to she wanted me to that be around more and uh i thought at the time it was a good move um but, uh, you know, life throws you curveballs and that just happened to be one of them. And, um, yeah, just kind of kind of how it how it all uh, panned out. Do you have any favorite stops when you were out on tour, whether it be the Corn Ferry, PGA Tour, you know, Hooters, even any cities that you kind of really looked forward to going to? Yeah, I mean, Dallas. I loved Dallas. Um that was my favorite, not favorite, but I just I really looked forward to it because the Byron um, at the time was uh, TPC Las Colinas up north mm-hmm. of town, and that's just a great spot. And the people came out in droves, and like the Byron is kind of the party event, and then um, Colonial is kind of like the the old school like golf clap. Everybody's dressed a certain way, and Whereas the Byron was more of the, um, you know, kind of like a, um, a waste management Phoenix open type feel. Um, but in Pebble, um, I played Pebble four or five times and every year, but one, the weather was perfect. So when you play Pebble, um, and the, the, well, the players was epic too, but, um, but yeah, when you play Pebble, I love going to Mexico too. Um, I mean, when you're on the tour, it's kind of hard to pick because every week is is so cool. And I mean, on the Corn Ferry though, I really loved going to the Bahamas. I really loved uh, um, Omaha, Nebraska was a great one, but uh, Idaho, um, uh, Boise was it was a great spot. Cool, cool. That's a long way from home for a you know a boy down south. That's uh, got to yeah. be a completely different uh, landscape out there, going uh, out to the northwest. High desert up in Boise. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so wh- wh- what's what's Will doing in the off time nowadays? Yeah, you know, I know I know you've got some hobbies. I know you're into hunting. I know you're into some good music. 
you know, what's uh, what's kind of a, a week in the life look look like for you now? Um, I mean, you know, trying to find sponsors for the pod, uh, you know, talking to people about different ideas for the podcast, trying to learn how to how to do that. I give a fair amount of lessons. Um, now that the weather's not as good, that's slowed down, obviously. Um, let's see. I mean, the little the business in Atlanta that I started with a friend uh, do some some things for that. Um, just try to stay busy as um, much as I can because it was like from age you know eight to thirty six, thirty yeah, thirty five, thirty six was like golf, 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 golf every day right. all day. Um, so it's been a it's been a, an odd transition for sure, but. Um, but yeah, I definitely, um, you know, try to just fill my days with as much positive, you know, stuff as I can. Um, this will be a cool year coming up. I got a lot to look forward to with, uh, you know, Caddy and Ferlanto. So, uh, yeah, just try to, you know, just try to find things to try to find interesting things to look forward to and, you know, fill the days properly and, uh, yeah, you know, just things like that. Just try to <clears throat> just do my best to, you know, live a, a non, you know, 45 hour, 50 hours a week hitting a golf ball. Um, now, now I have those 45, 50 hours open. So I'm just trying to fill those with, uh, with as much stuff as I can. I mean, I'm loving the podcast, but that's only a couple hours of work a week. And, and if I can give six to 10 lessons, that's always good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> now it's, you know, being like self-employed and just trying to figure it out. Um, just kind of downgraded, slowed down, you know, try to protect the nest egg that I got, I got from playing golf and, um, you know, just try to try to be an adult, you know, just before everything was taken care of for me, I didn't have to do anything. So it's like I kind of got spit out the other end of professional golf. Like I'm kind of having to learn, learn my way, um, you know, getting the right health insurance and um, just whatever. I mean, when you're a professional athlete, like people bend over backwards for you. And I mean, you don't have to do anything. Like when I bought that house in Jupiter, like I bought a house, but I don't really, I don't really know how to buy a house. I don't know exactly what went into it because somebody did it for me. Right, um, right. So now I'm just trying to honestly just try to learn how to be, be an adult and be a functioning member of society. Does, does the tour help with, with that stuff? I mean, do they have certain people that you can reach out to, you know, for like, let's say like how to get life insurance or, or you know, or how to book next week's hotel or what airfare to go to, or, or if you're in the process of looking for a house or buying a new car, does the tour provide people like that like like an mlb team would or an nfl team would for players like when you're out there with status yeah yeah like when you're full-time on tour oh yeah 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 um yeah there was always um eric hillcoff he was the main travel guy and uh so you know uh maybe two-thirds of the time there'd be a uh that might be a little high but um half the time there was a a charter flight that you could hop on for a fee and um you know maybe if, if i was really lucky i could hop on a, a net jet with with marino or you know somebody like that 
Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the host hotels are always pretty, pretty, uh, they're all laid out for you. Um, and, uh, but yeah, my agent and, uh, everybody, they, they did a lot for you, but yeah, the tour, they send out a, um, you just go to your tour links. Um, and that's the, the website now app. Um, and it, it basically, you know, it's very, very easy Yeah, out there. You don't. I mean, traveling was the most simple thing ever. Uh, just it was all taken care of. I mean, they're they're picking you up in your Mercedes courtesy car, and you know, even when you have people flying in town, um, you just tell them when they're arriving. And you know, if you're in a during your practice round, I mean, they take them to the hotel, um, help them unload all their stuff, bring them to the golf course, and they drive them in a cart out to you, and <laughs> yeah you're full-time PGA tour, you don't have to lift a finger when it comes to, to doing that stuff. Gotcha. That's, uh, that's pretty cool, honestly, but how's that transition been moving away from tour and, and kind of not having those safety nets available in your life? Uh, definitely different. I mean, I gotta, you know, look through, through for the, uh, the, the right flight, not the most convenient or, uh, Fight, you know, I need to make sure that I really uh, uh, do a lot more research, um, you know, really just, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got to be a lot more organized. Um, that's a huge one. Um, whereas on tour, you don't have to be organized. You can just be a total scatterbrain and everything <laughs> is taken care of for you. Yeah. Um, so now I've got a, you know, I got a notebook and I write everything down and, you know, remembering passwords and this and that. I mean, I, <clears throat> I, I'm had my agent do everything. So now I'm, I'm just trying to, uh, just keep up, uh, just try to, you know, I need to book my travel for Exuma, um, for Lanto's rehab start and, uh, you know, need to get a, get a roommate, um, make sure I, uh, you know, don't spend a gajillion dollars going to caddy and, right. <laughs> far uh, east uh, Bahamian Island. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a different, um, way different lifestyle now. Um, you know, you really got to, it, it, it's almost it like stunts your growth as, as like an adult when you're a professional athlete. It really, it really does. I mean, because when I was 22 when I turned pro and then and then quit playing full-time at 35. So that 22 to 35, that's an area of your life where you're really learning a lot. And you're, For sure. You know, that's your formative years of, of learning how to, to, to really uh, make sure you're on top of things. And, and now I'm, it's almost like I'm having to start from start fresh. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, whatever, everybody's it's, I'm not complaining. I mean, everybody's got, um, things that they, you know, deal with. And these are very minuscule problems um, compared to what a lot of people uh, deal with. And not that I haven't made by any means at all, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I've got to, I definitely need, you know, uh, I need to, uh, you know, make sure that I'm a lot more focused on my day-to-day, -day, uh, you know, getting A to B, being places on time, um, you know, just gotta be, uh, it's not, it's not like, you know, they're not pulling out the red carpet for you anymore when you, when you show up somewhere.
Yeah, no, I definitely appreciate that candor. I think that's that's something that our listeners are really going to kind of be um, interested in hearing. You know, I, I don't think a lot of people understand the inner workings of the tour, kind of what goes on and stuff like that. You mentioned caddying for for Lanto, and that's awesome coming up for you. I, I'm going to assume you're probably going to make some great contacts while you're out there caddying. Is there anybody on tour that you really want to try to get on the podcast? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really, um, I want to, um, I want to get the perspective of the, the live players. Um, I want to get, I just want to get the full, the, the, the full scope, um, about how everybody's feeling about things and, you know, the, the ever changing landscape, or at least the way it is over the last, uh, year, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely want to um, I want to be embedded in the game as much as I can. And that's a good way to do it. So, um, but yeah, I I, uh, I definitely want to um, continue. Can, can, I want to be seen, um, want to, you know, rekindle old friendships and, um, you know, just be involved in it as much as I can. And, and Lanto's giving me a cool opportunity to, to keep keep one foot in the door. Yeah, no, that's that's sick. And I mean, it's got to feel amazing to, you know, for a guy like Lonto to to come out and just say to you and, and for you to know that you're kind of the driving factor behind his rise in the game. Yeah, yeah, he's he was very he's very, very um, generous because uh, some guys might, you know, maybe not forget that, but they wouldn't bring it up, uh, you know, and I mean, he talked about me and his uh winner's press conference and things like that so he's uh yeah he's he's always had my back i've always had his back i've always tried to do everything i could to to be there for him i was actually on the way to his wedding when i got into that car accident and and i had to the i had the suit that i had uh you know i was gonna be sitting at the table like right next to theirs after the after the ceremony and uh and uh, i had to like my whole suit was covered in blood um, <laughs> yeah it, it was nuts i mean i wasn't wearing the suit it was just from right right but uh but yeah unfortunately i missed his wedding um because of that i was on the way i was gonna work that day and then the next day i was driving up um but uh but yeah uh yeah lonto's uh he, he's my dog and and i'm uh and i hope i can help him you know as much as he helped me when he had it for me that's going to be an awesome, awesome combo to be rooting for uh, this year out on tour. Uh, let's talk kind of like, you know, personal things that are near and dear to your heart now. We talked music a little bit earlier. Um, I know you're a big fan of going to concerts and such. I am as well. You know, I, I grew up going to concerts and, and going to shows my whole entire life. Um, literally just this Thursday, we saw my boy. I took my boys and I to see our favorite band uh, play down at the in Philly at the Met. A day to remember my buddy Alex is the drummer uh for them and uh you know you can't beat live music um what are are some of the the best concerts the best shows that you've been to um i mean this summer um bonnaroo was really cool um got to see um uh, stevie nick she closed it out Um, oh wow yeah, I mean, I got every year the been to the um the jazz been to jazz fest multiple times, uh, but seeing Tool, seeing Rage Against the Machine at Madison Square Garden. Do you um, see them just like just recently when when Zach hurt his leg, like that yeah, tour? He sat on the speaker at the front. Yeah, of the 
and they they carried him out the band carried him out and he just you know sang his heart out for an hour and a half and then they picked him up and carried him off the stage and uh yeah he had a, a broken ankle and and yeah but he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna call off the shows and uh because you know they they did five nights at Madison Square Garden to finish that uh, summer tour and um, and to go on the Friday. And then the next morning I had to caddy. I would not say had to. That sounds negative. But I, I had to go across to go into Jersey and then caddy for Ben and the Am. So, um, but yeah, uh, concert wise, I, I love Tool. Deftones was awesome at, um, at Chastain in Atlanta um but yeah a pussifer anything maynard james keenan i'm i'm really into i've been to tons of panic shows um uh let's see really i mean shoot i mean i like uh, a lot uh, i've been very disappointed by some uh hip-hop shows but uh roddy rich at uh um bonnaroo was really really good um, was he was he actually singing? I mean, because that's the biggest problem with hip hop. You know, hip hop is these guys running around and stuff. They can't catch their breath. It's it's backing vocals, it's backing tracks, and and you're getting ten words out of every you know eight bars. I know exactly. That's exactly what I said. Um, I went to yeah. He actually did sing. Um, or he did rap most of the most of the words. Um, and um, except for the song "The Box," he lets every he lets the crowd sing that one. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I bought, I bought Kevin Gates tickets, um, for in, in, uh, September or something like that. And, uh, went down to Savannah with a friend to go see Kevin Gates. We were all stoked about that. And, um, the venue closed at midnight and he got on stage at 1138. Oh. And they, they said, they said he sang uh, two songs and then dropped the mic and walked away. And and they he actually didn't get in town until 11 p.m. And he, they probably had 40 openers. I mean, they were at one point just grabbing people out of the the crowd to just jump around and, you know, sing. There was no rapping going on at all. Um, Poor, poorly planned show. Very bad. It was yeah. awful. And then there was so many, there was, I mean, you know, probably 12,000 people there and I mean, the tickets weren't cheap. And I mean, the crowd was, I've never, I'd never been to a show where everybody was visibly like, I mean, screaming, like, what, what do we, what is this supposed to be? Like, what did we pay for? Like, what, what, what are we doing on this Friday night of our lives that we've spent $250 on the ticket? Like, what, what is, what is this supposed to be? And I'd never seen a headlining act show up and and sing for you know and do two songs 20 minutes and leave um you know i mean stevie nicks is 74 years old and she did almost two hours to close out bonnaroo um so uh so the yeah. difference between a, a true professional you know what i mean and someone just trying to cash in right there yeah that was just a money grab for him I yeah think. he just hopped on his jet or whatever from atlanta at probably 10 30 and flew down to savannah and um you jumped up on stage two songs and left so um but anyways that's one show out of you know probably 200 that i've been to um where i was i, I left disappointed but um but yeah i i love uh you know caught pussifer on um <clears throat> it was uh halloween at uh, the ryman in nashville that was really cool 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's like you got to catch Pussifer or a perfect circle. I mean, Tool doesn't – they don't perform as much as, as uh, you know, you'd like to see it. But, I mean, Maynard's no spring chicken anymore and all that stomping and jumping around that he did in the in the 90s and the 2000s. He's got some hip issues. So, um, but, man, when they – when Pussifer plays – uh, it's, it's incredible. It's like performance art and, um, it's really, uh, it's really, really dope. Like, gosh, I love watching Pussifer. That, that, that might be my favorite show. Well, Tool's my favorite and Deftones. Um, but, and then Rage, but Rage is such a rare one. Um, but, uh, if I'm going to go see a show right now, it's, it's like wherever Pussifer is, I'm trying to see that. Gotcha. Yeah. The Ryman is an awesome awesome theater um like i said my buddy alex drums for a day to remember and they're doing a full acoustic tour right now up uh up and down the east coast and they were there wow. i think week and a half ago it was the first time ever playing at the rhyme and they're doing all kind of those old theaters they did beacon theater in new york they did the met in philly um i forgot where they just were in boston but they did Ryman. they uh they were at that old theater in north charleston uh i can't remember the name of to a show in, in Charleston, but uh, yeah, they, I, I'm gonna have to check them out. I have to remember, uh, is that like just like alternative type music? Um, so so they're like their early stuff is like kind of super catchy hardcore, and uh, and and the thing is like they're they're phenomenal musicians, you know. Um, so I, I'd call them like out of anything, if you were gonna categorize them, I'd call them like maybe like a pop punk hardcore yeah. band. But they've stripped down and 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 they're doing a ton of their songs acoustically now. And uh, so my, that was the first show my sons have ever been to. They play with Blink um, and a day to remember. We saw them at Hershey Park uh, maybe like five years ago or so. And then through the podcast, I got to know Alex. He was a listener. He's a big time golfer, you know, which is awesome. And uh, we saw them down in Reading, PA, when they were doing their normal tours. Them and the Ghost Inside. And then we just got to talking, and I was like, hey, man, I see you're going to be in Philly again. He's like, yeah, bring the boys, come by. I'll give you tickets and stuff like that. So I was like, sick, dude. So we drive down. It's like two hours from our house. Drive down to Philly at the Met. Gorgeous old theater, you know, like from the 1900s. Just beautiful architecture inside. And uh, you got this, you know, hardcore band from Ocala, Florida, um, stripped down, playing full acoustic, sounded amazing. We get there. I look at the tickets. And I have no idea where to go. And I asked the usher, and she's like, oh, she's like, you're all the way up front. She's like, come on, honey, come down with me. And we're sitting dead center, like dead to right center of the drum set, five rows back. After the show, he gets up on stage and throws drumsticks to both of my boys. Like, it was insane, man. It was yeah. sick. Doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. No, it does not. In a, in a band that, you know, you know, they are obviously great musicians. So they're actually performing. You know, there's a lot to be said there because some bands, I mean, you know, it sounds like they're, you know, still very hungry. Um, and, uh, you know, when you got the bands that are just kind of mailing it in, it's, it's kind of it's a bummer to see that. But but when you see a band that, uh, you know, has a true passion passion for what they're doing um and that's the thing with Maynard James Keenan I mean he just loves performing and loves um and and widespread panic too I mean they just they love being on the road they love it's about the crowd you know it's not about um getting the money and getting out of town so um yeah I got I'm gonna have to I'll have to look those guys up for sure but but yeah when it comes to live music not much more uh 
Um, I saw Gary Clark Jr. Um, you know Gary Clark Jr.? Yeah, 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 yeah. Amazing musician. Um, you know, I just, I love acts like that, that just, you know, really, really care about what they're doing. And it's about the crowd, you know, it's about giving them their best. And that's, that's so key. And, yeah, that, and, that and energy the, transfer is amazing. Yeah, and the, the modern kind of, mumble rap uh you just it's not about the crowd uh it's not and you know they may be a big name and a big draw but it's not it's not about um you know it's just like like that um like like woodstock 69 you know that was the way everybody came together and you know it was just like a beautiful thing and they just had that uh documentary come out yeah on netflix yep yeah that was incredible (laughs) um and it is interesting i mean having corn and limp biscuit and and all those uh more screamo bands uh headline you know kid rock and everybody they again they ended up just burning all place to the ground but um but yeah it's uh it's definitely a uh it's it's a passion of mine and you know uh, a a lot of a lot of golfers in that community um iration uh, i love yep yep too uh micah uh, there's two micas in that band they they all love to play golf so um yeah the the uh, golf and, and music they they go hand in hand a lot of the times because during the day they, they they have something to do and um you know before sound check they, they go play 18 yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna date myself here with with that woodstock that 96 woodstock i remember watching it on pay-per-view like buying on yeah. pay-per-view re- recorded on my vcr and yeah. literally, like, I sat there and watched all day long. I remember, my, you know, my mom sitting with me watching Rage Against the Machine and yeah. and uh, and and Limp, and then even the one prior, which was, oh wait, no, that was no, that was well, ninety nine Woodstock. Yeah, Sorry. I think it was ninety nine and ninety six. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, ninety four was before, 90. right? With Green Day and and uh, Nine Inch Nails and the Mud and yeah. all that. Yeah, that, that was. I've got. I still have those on VHS in my closet. I assume the one in 94, I assume that went um, better than the 99 one. Because then yeah, I yeah. Dumpster fire. The 94 one was was really good musically. It just it just rained like it did at the original Woodstock. So those parallels were so uncanny to have, you know, people slide in the mud and stuff like that. And then, but then it, it degraded as well too. Cause then people were throwing like mud balls that were filled with like, you know, piss and bottles and rocks yeah. up on stage at, at people. Um, like if you watch any of the, the green day concert from that, they're getting just pelted with yeah. stuff from the crowd. But, and, and they, and to their credit, like they just kept playing, which is wow. insane. Yeah. That uh, did, was the, one in 94 96 i guess it's 94 um you would know i was born in 86 so at the time i i remember woodstock 99 and being like i was almost old enough to where i could like road trip it but not quite um glad i didn't um but because um, uh, i remember having a group of friends we were thinking about you know coming up with some elaborate lie and, and going up there but uh, <laughs> was the one the previous one that they did the 90s i assume that wasn't at a uh an air force you know abandoned base was no that, that one if if i'm remembering correctly that was actually in woodstock like they yeah. used the same property as the one in 69 um I'm pretty I'm pretty sure because that would have been what the uh let's see 
would have been the 30 25th anniversary 35th anniversary of it is that maybe maybe that's why they had it you know yeah i you know i'm sure you know people can look it up on on wikipedia when they're when they're listening to this um that's right something like that not nice um so anyways um but yeah yeah it's uh yeah what a what a don't just shit you how that was it, the 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 title train wreck was was very accurate uh, yeah the, very apropos the, they're charging everybody too much for water and oh nuts it just uh yeah and being on just asphalt or concrete you know that, that wasn't the perfect setup but anyhow yep live music live music and golf they they it's, it's my two passions i, I would say Awesome. I'm going to uh, let me get you out of here on this question. Um, any any tales or stories from the tour that you can relate? What's one of your favorite stories, whether it be inside the ropes or, or when you're traveling or, or something along those lines? Um, uh, let's see. Uh, in 2015, um, I, I did well in the event. At, uh, I, I ended up playing, you know, fairly solid. Tiger beat me by one that week. I remember, and um, he arrived at the course, and he had committed to the event at the very last second. So they had to sell another sixty thousand tickets over the four days, and they had to give out another two hundred and fifty media credentials. But I remember him getting to the course. And it looked like, you know, the prime minister of a, a foreign country. <laughs> and and the way everybody, uh, even in the locker room, there was probably 10 or 12 players up there. And then the food area was right next to the locker room. Everybody's just like face against the glass, just staring down at Tiger. And uh, and but my, my locker was next to Tiger's, too. Um, but anyways, just watching Tiger arrive and, and do his thing and be in contention. And I was, I would all, I was be a group away from him. I never got paired with him, but I was a group away from him like three times. Um, but yeah, anything, anything involving Tiger was really cool. Um, you know, being next to him at the locker and, you know, if you, if you see him on Saturday and you're putting your shoes on at the same time, um, obviously you're teeing off at a similar time. So, you know, he'd, he'd be like, you know, what's up, bud? Like, how you, how you playing? What's going on? And, you know, any, anytime I got to be around Tiger, uh, that was, uh, that, that was, that was special. And that, that was, you know, I had probably five or six really good interactions with, with him. Awesome. Very, very cool. Well, Willie, I mean, you gave me an hour, dude. I can't even thank you enough. I know we talked off air a little bit, you know, um, how generous it is of people to take time out of their everyday life, you know, to share their stories and stuff. And I know our listeners and our followers truly appreciate it. And I truly appreciate it as well. Uh, Best of luck this year. I mean, really, I've been rooting for you guys as the dynamic duo uh, on tour, you and Lanto. It's, it's phenomenal. Real quick, uh, plug the podcast and everything, dude, let people know where they can find you. Yeah. Yeah. Tier time, T U R E time, um, with myself and, and Jim Renner, Jim pops in occasionally. Um, but yeah, it's on, uh, Apple podcasts and Spotify and you can find it pretty much anywhere you find podcasts and, uh, episode 40 drops on Wednesday with Lonto and, um, yeah, so, uh, just 40 episodes in, but you know, it's, uh, it's going well, got a good solid amount of downloads and, uh, and like you, you said, you've enjoyed listening to some of the episodes. So sure. uh, maybe other people will too. So yeah, check it out to your time.
Awesome. We'll put it on the uh, inside the liner notes. Tag it on Instagram and stuff when the episode drops. Willie, thank you again, my man. And as always, people either get busy golfing or get busy dying.